we do in Red Rocks Church? Woo! Hey, let's continue to make some noise and say hi to all of our campuses right now, including all three of our God Behind Bars campuses. Man, we love you guys so much, so much. Hey, don't you dare sit down. Stay standing and let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. I thank you for a church to call home. I thank you that we have our lead pastor back. I thank you that he has the, the guts and the courage to be publicly broken in front of thousands of people who need that, God, because we're all broken and leaders go first and he is raising the bar of authenticity and realness at our church and I pray that you would cover him and his family as they faithfully lead this church forward. I pray you'd continue to make every one of our campuses a lighthouse to our cities to shine brighter and brighter to guide more and more prodigals home. I pray that you'd give us the God kind of confidence for the coming decade as we step into the unknown as a church family. I pray that you would heighten our awareness of you everywhere that we go, God, not just in the one hour a week that we're in church, but in the 167 in between. We're not in any kind of, of business to, to just make churchgoers. Our mission, our mindset is to equip and empower your sons and your daughters to follow you and to experience you with every part and in every hour of our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. We don't need to do church today. We need to encounter the living God today. We shut out distractions on purpose and with quiet hearts and still minds, we simply say, speak God, because we're listening. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's lift up a shout of praise for Jesus Christ. Woo! You feel it, you feel good? Hey, me too. Give away two high fives and you can take a seat. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Here's an interesting question. Who remembers their very first slow dance? Anybody? I have a vivid memory of mine, probably because it went so poorly and I was at the height of all the insecurity in my life. I was 12 years old. It was my very first boy-girl party. And so to be cool, I wore my coolest outfit, which was an oversized Colorado Avalanche jersey, basketball shorts, and frosted tips, all right? Say something. Say something. I'd preach in that, right? And it was to the song, um, A Whole New World from Aladdin. <laughs> I was talking to my little brother, Ryan, a couple weeks ago about his first dance, because he remembers his too. And he said, bro, it was to the song, I, I don't know the title of the song, but you better believe I can sing it. It goes like this. I want to spend the rest of my life with you by my side forever and ever. Yeah, that's an exact impression of that song. And my brother said, like, he's listening to the lyrics and mid-song has a panic attack because he realizes, oh, God, did I just commit to that? Because of a slow dance? Like, is this tying the knot? Do you realize what you've done, right? <laughs> 
He's like, I'll never forget it. And I had a panic attack mid-slow dance as well because I realized as it was going so poorly, I think I'm supposed to be leading this. <laughs> Who knew, right? In a slow dance, one person leads and the other person follows. Church, I'm about to give you my sermon title that I pray you remember for years to come, and it's right here, The Who Do Dance. The Who Do Dance. Let me explain that. Everybody, including you, you have a, a who, and you have a do. And your who and your do are in a divine dance with each other. In other words, who you are affects what you do, and what you do affects who you are. This is the who do dance. And in the spirit of a brand new decade, if you want to see real and lasting life change, right? If you want to see your resolutions shatter statistics and last longer than Valentine's Day, this decade, if you want to get closer to God and know him more and experience more of this fullness of life that Jesus talked about all the time that is rightfully yours because of the blood and sacrifice of Jesus, if you want to experience those things, and you should, listen to me, you will if and only if you let your who lead the dance. I heard Craig Rochelle say it this way, when you know who you are, well, then you'll know what to, to do. Jesus would teach the right identity leads to the right actions. Let me show you. John chapter one, starting in verse 35. Here we go. The next, day, the next day, John the Baptist was there again with two of his disciples. And when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, just so casually, look, it's the Lamb of God. <laughs> So his disciples are like, so this is like this guy's, he's God, but he's a lamb. Like naturally, they're intrigued, right? And so when the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. So get this in your imagination, okay? John the Baptist was the greatest man to ever walk the face of this planet other than Jesus. But John the Baptist was also like an interesting cat. Grew up in the desert. His fashion was camel fur. His diet was locusts and wild honey. So, so picture this life group. It's a young men's life group. John the Baptist is leading it. So you've got this group of guys sitting under a tree doing a Bible study, wearing camel and eating bugs dipped in honey. I'm reading this like, is this Boulder? What it like? <laughs> I used to live there. I can say that. Don't worry. Turning around. <laughs> Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? And they said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and they saw where he was staying and they spent the day with him. It was about four in the afternoon and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and decided to follow Jesus. And I love this. The first thing Andrew did was go and find his brother Simon and tell him, and this is big news, right? We have found 
the Messiah, the guy we've all been waiting for, the Christ, the Messiah. We, we found him, and he brought his brother to Jesus. And so pause really quick. This is the Great Commission made simple. And I will argue until the day I die, the Great Commission should remain as simple as possible. You don't need to know apologetics. You don't need a seminary degree, exhibit A, right? To see life change, to make a difference, right? To see, like, all you need to do is bring your people to Jesus and let Jesus do the rest. Jesus looked at him and said, and this is important, you are Simon, son of John. This is more important. However, you will be Cephas, which when translated is Peter, which means rock. So Jesus just changed everything about Simon's life, past, present, and future in one moment, and he does it all simply just by changing his name. And so we have to acknowledge how socially awkward this moment is, you guys. Imagine this, poor Andrew, he shows up to his new life group. Jesus is the leader of that life group and says, Jesus, I got a new recruit. It's my brother, Simon. Jesus sees Simon and goes, Simon, I know you. Guess what? I'm gonna call you Cephas. Is that cool? Doesn't matter. I'm God. I'm gonna do it anyway. Cephas means Peter, Pete for short, all right? So this, this is a big deal because back then, your name was your identity, all right? We'll say it this way. Your name was your who. Jesus looked at Simon and said, I know who the world says you are, but this is who I say you are. I know everything about you, Simon Peter, your past, present, future, the good, bad, the ugly, all your thoughts, everything that you've done, you are fully known, and at the same time, you are fully loved. And by the way, that's true of every single one of you. You walked in here, and God fully knows you and fully loves you at the exact same time which is, well, I think that's like the deepest desire of the human heart, to be fully known for all our stuff and loved unconditionally in spite of it. And that's true for you right now, exactly how you walked in here, and at the very same time, God loves you way too much to let you walk out of here unchanged. How do I know that? Because Peter came to Jesus fully loved as Simon, and an hour later, he left Jesus fully loved as Cephas. You gotta understand, Jesus did not save you so you could stay the same. I think it's so awesome that we have a God who loves us exactly the way we are and wants us to change. Loves you where you're at and has more for you. Calls you to more. Says, hey, you are, you are Simon and I love you. However, from this point on, you will be Cephas. Why? Because I love you. And notice, he doesn't give Simon a list of things to go and do. He gives Simon a brand new identity. He changes Simon's name to Cephas or Peter, which means rock, the rock that he's literally gonna build his church on and not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. And notice, this is important, Jesus does not wait for Simon to go and be that rock and go and lead the church, and go and preach to thousands, and go and die a martyr's death until he changes his name. 
Jesus changes his who, gives him a brand new name before Simon ever even earns it, deserves it, or acts like it. Why? Because Jesus knows that in the who do dance, the who leads and the do follows. Simon, this is who the world says you are. I am your maker. I made no mistakes when I made you. And so you can trust me when I say this is who you really are. Which brings me to the thesis of this message, and it'll be right there. When you know who God is, Red Rocks Church, that's the starting point. When you know who God is, you'll know who you are. Then when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. You know what that means? That means the best thing that you could ever do in your 167. You're in church one hour a week. You got 168 of those hours every week. In your 167, this will always be true. The best thing that you could ever do is to know God more. Now follow me. What I did not say is no more things about God, although that's important and has its place. I said, know God more. So in 2011, I ran into Tim Tebow one afternoon, and we talked for 90 seconds. I don't know if that qualifies as hanging out, but I like to think it does. And here's what I know about Timmy. I call him Timmy because, you know, we, we talked, and you guys don't know Timmy like I do, so let me tell you some stuff about Timmy. Timmy Tebow played quarterback at the University of Florida. I know a lot of stuff about him. Played quarterback, University of Florida, won the Heisman Trophy in 2007, was a two-time BCS national champion, went to the NFL, played, played for the Broncos and the Jets, and was on the Pats, I think, for a little bit, or just summer camp, I'm not really sure. However, when he was a Bronco, on January 8th, 2012, he led the Broncos on the first play in overtime to a playoff win with a perfect post-route pass to Demarius Tom Like, I know so much about Tim Tebow, but here's the thing. If you run into Tim for whatever reason later this week, whatever you do, don't tell him that Doug Weckenman says hi. <laughs> Why? Because I know stuff about him, but I don't know him. He got married in Cape Town this past weekend. I was not invited, right? <laughs> if you're honest, Red Rocks, is there a chance you know Jesus like I know Tim. Like you know some stuff about him, but you don't necessarily know him. Now, knowing stuff about him is great, all right? But memorized verses, being smarter theologically, having facts, coming to church, it is useless, and I mean that, unless it leads you to know him more. And so with zero condemnation, are you a friend of Jesus or a fan? You want to know who I know slightly different than I know Tim Tebow is my wife. Because when we were dating, for an entire year, we did long distance, all right? Long, long distance. And when I say long distance, I mean we didn't see each other for a year. For an entire year because I was living overseas doing mission work in places where you had to hike miles just to find like the world's slowest Wi-Fi. And so all we did for a whole year was write letters and emails. I wrote her every day for a year, church. And if you got that reference, you're my people. The notebook. Which quick side note means you don't have to be able to see somebody to pursue somebody. Hello. And that's for free. 
Don't even worry. Like, you, you can just owe me for that. <laughs> On our wedding day, Sam gave me this gift. Every email we sent that year, printed out, yeah, see, and I, I gave her a bracelet. <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> oh, if this was Conrad's diary, I would totally pass this around right now and let all of you read it, but God, you can't see this. I can't let you read this. Hey, me and Tim Tebow don't have a Best Buds version of this. Not yet, okay? <laughs> see, but I know, I know stuff about my wife. I know she's five foot three and three quarters. Blonde hair, blue eyes, a CU buff, born on St. Patty's Day, way out of my league. But like, there's a lot of people who know those things about my wife. Because of this, and we'll call this pursuit, in one word, pursuit. I know things about my wife, but because of this, I know my wife. So metaphorically speaking, do you and God have one of these? Do you know him? Like this is the summation of every prayer, quiet time you've spent with him, time spent in the word, every time you invited him into a different part of your life. Every time, like your life group time, your serving time at your church, right? Like, like, like all of it, the end game of all of it is to know him more. Trading, like, no, like trading knowing God for knowing things about God is a horrible, horrible trade. Do you know God? That is the end game. Why? Because when you know who God is, you'll know who you are. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. I can already tell you one little piece about who you are that's fairly important. I can tell you that when God looks at you because of Jesus, he sees perfection despite the fact that you're a work in progress. And I can back that up with Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I don't know if you caught that, but he sees you as perfect even though right now you are being made Perfect. This is how Jesus can say, you are Cephas, even though you still act like Simon. Like you understand, Jesus will call you righteous while you are still addicted. Because your who leads the dance. The right actions will follow the right identity. And Jesus knows that. I don't do these things Whatever it is, like I don't do these things so I can be this man of God I know I'm supposed to be. He looks at me and already says, you are that man of God. Therefore, you can go and do those things. And that order is everything. And right here is where we have our important transition from your who to your do. Who you are, listen, makes your decisions and your decisions return the favor and in turn will reinforce who you are. Which is why as Christians, we live in this paradox where, hey, uh, like because of Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven forever, really kind of regardless of what I do. And at the very same time, it deeply matters what we do. Deeply matters. And I'll prove it to you this way. We have, as they say, there are seven natural wonders in our world. 
There's the seven man-made wonders, the seven ancient wonders, the seven new wonders, and like the seven natural wonders. I just learned all, maybe this is why you've been so confused about it, just like me. But I just learned all the natural wonders. And so let's see, does anybody know one? If you do, just shout it out. Niagara Falls, close, close. Victoria Falls. Grand Canyon, I heard that. Okay, I know fun facts about all these now, guys. You just watch. Victoria Falls on the border between Zambia and Zimbabwe right there. Look at me, 175 cubic, like million, 175 million cubic feet of water pour over that thing every minute. And by the way, that bridge, great bungee jumping, the best place to see the waterfall. Grand Canyon, I heard Grand Canyon. Let's see, fun fact about Grand Canyon. Grand Canyon National Park is bigger than the state of Rhode Island, and although there are rattlesnakes, Gila monster lizards, Gila monster lizards, I said, okay, that's a tongue twister, and bighorn sheep, the squirrels bite more tourists than any other animal at the Grand Canyon. So just be careful. So that's two, anybody know another one? Great Barrier Reef, the largest living thing on the planet. 70 million football fields in size. You can see it from space. Also, great snorkeling, I've read. Anybody else? That's three. No, pyramids, man-made or alien-made, I'm not sure. Um, Mount Everest, Mount Everest, 29,035 feet high. And by the way, growing by a quarter of an inch every year, which means right now is the easiest time to hike it. <laughs> Just be warned, it costs $60,000 and will take you two months, all right? The Paracutan Volcano is in a cornfield in Mexico. And if you're afraid of volcanoes like I am, because maybe you also watched Dante's Peak way too young, in your life, sleep soundly tonight because it's been dormant since 1952. How many was that? Is that five? What else are we missing? The northern lights, the northern, I wanna see these more than any other of the wonders, okay? They're actually happening all the time. You just have to be north enough or, fun fact, south enough to see it. There's also the southern lights. They don't get as much airtime because we don't get down there, right? They are, guys, they're, they're caused by magnetic fields and energized electrons, and I'd explain it to you, but it's really comp. That's the only reason I'm not explaining it. I totally know, but I'm just, I'm gonna stop there for all of our sakes. And we're missing, we're missing one, the harbor at Rio de Janeiro. This is the, by the way, this is the deepest natural bay in the world, and within the span of 200 yards, two football fields, you've got high mountains, white sandy beaches, and beautiful ocean water, which begs the question, why are any of us here when you could be there? Just a question to haunt you for the rest of the week. So there are, right there, the seven natural wonders of the world. Now you know, congratulations, you're smarter. But did you know that Albert Einstein actually said there is a secret eighth wonder of the world, and no, it's not Chris Hemsworth. <laughs> Although, to be fair to Chris, Einstein never saw the Avengers. The secret eighth wonder of the world is, in fact, compound interest. For real. This is what Einstein said 
about compound interest. Compound interest, the most powerful force in the universe. He who understands it earns it. He who doesn't pays it. Yeah. So here's a domino. You're like, yeah, okay. If you can imagine a series of dominoes that increase in size by a factor of 1.5, just 1.5, the 12th domino would be the size of me. The 37th domino would be the height and weight of the Empire State Building. And through the process of compound interest, the eighth wonder of the world, this little domino could knock the entire thing over. Why does that matter? It matters because of something C.S. Lewis said. Good and evil both increase at compound interest. This is why, church, the little decisions that you and I make every day are of such infinite importance. And so look at this right here, and I want you to think little decision. Keep looking at it, and I want you to now think infinite importance. Little decision, infinite importance. And life is simply just a, a succession of these little decisions and moments and, and seeds, right? Compound interest means we exponentially reap what we sow. Understand, Einstein did not invent compound interest. God did. He wired it into the universe he made, and it is as real as gravity. Einstein just understood it, and now you will too. We sow a little good decision here and there. We sow a little bad decision here and there. Seemingly harmless, but we reap exponentially what we sow. And I've been thinking a lot about this. I'm like, why, why is it so hard for us sometimes to make small good decisions consistently? And I really don't think it's because like we're horrible people. I really don't think that. I think the, the reason it's so difficult to make small, consistent, good decisions is because we really don't trust and fully believe that God actually has more and better for us than what the world has to offer. Like C.S. Lewis would say, truly, we are like ignorant kids in a slum content making mud pies because we just don't understand what is meant by a holiday at See, far too easily pleased because we just can't fathom that God actually has more for us. And that's why it feels so difficult to make small good decisions because let's be honest, small good decisions in the moment kind of feel like sacrifice. Like ask anybody who's been to rehab, it feels like a month of death. But ask that person who used to be an addict and no longer is about what it leads to. A day of fasting feels like a day of sacrifice, but leads to exponentially more peace, more intimacy with God and answered prayers. Saving money when you want to spend it feels like a moment of death sometimes, right? Like a sacrifice. But here's the thing. Every momentary crucifixion always leads to exponential resurrection. And I'm thinking that's probably why Jesus said you will find the life you're looking for, real life, when you die to yourself through small, daily, infinitely important decisions. So in 2030, 10 years from now, I want to look at my marriage and go, 
I did not think it was possible for marriage to be this good. That's my goal for the next decade, to get there and go, wow, how did we get here? Because here's, here's the thing, it won't be a mystery. It'll make complete sense. You will get to where you're walking to one step at a time. It'll simply just be a million of these. It'll be because I said good morning to my wife before I went on Instagram 3,650 times. It'll be because I plan two dates a month to pursue her even though we're married and I know she's not going anywhere. It'll be because I said no to hanging with my friends so we could spend an evening with each other 200, like it's not gonna be a mystery. It will make complete sense. It will be because I did not underestimate the power of small, seemingly insignificant decisions to do what they do best over time, compound. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. And that's why the same thing works in the other direction in small bad decisions that feel like momentary bliss, right? Can oftentimes reap for us like hell on earth. And we all know what that feels like. Bad seeds will reap weeds. And so for me, I like, I'm an imagination guy. So I imagine the world of bad decisions like a spooky, haunted, forbidden forest, right? And every decision I make is a step. Every time I, I opt for uh, instant gratification, right? Every time I'm like, I'll spend money I don't have. What's one time? Who cares? Until you do it again and again and again, right? I'll click that video I shouldn't click again and again. I stay up too late watching five more episodes, but I do it again and again. Sleep with somebody just because I'm lonely again and again. And it, like, not work out, 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 not take that bad thought captive and let it have real estate in my mind one day at a time, but on repeat. And then eventually you're looking around like, how'd I get here? You know that feeling. I do too. I've been in so many of these forests looking around like such a, a mystery. Or is it my very first credit card? I remember getting my first statement in the mail at the end of the month. I opened it up, looked at the number, and was like, uh, excuse me? <laughs> How'd I get here? Such a mystery. Oh, no way. They actually outlined for me every step I took to get there. Chipotle toll road, Chipotle toll road, Chipotle with guac, $1.50 toll road. New jeans, happy hour, happy hour, Chipotle. Like, I'm not a complicated man. This is not a complicated system, but it is real and it is powerful. And listen to me, in this forest, the grace of Jesus covers all. It is that powerful and that good. I'm not talking eternity. Heaven forever is taken care of by one decision that you will make one time in your life to put your faith in Jesus. And shame off of you, regardless of how far you've wandered into this forest. You are not better at messing up than he is at finding you and redeeming your life. It's like Jesus comes in, yeah, it's like he comes in on a search and rescue helicopter, sees you, comes down the ladder, meets you right in the forest, and gives you a brand new identity and reminds you who he says you are right here. And at the same time, he doesn't change the system for you. Just like he's not gonna change gravity for you. 
Which is why I wish I heard this 10 years ago because I wouldn't have spent a decade of being a Christian figuratively rolling my eyes at this idea of holiness as if it's for God and not for me. Jesus meets you in the middle of this and says, hey, I'm not transporting you out, but I will walk out with you one step at a time, one decision. Like, you know why you love comeback stories? Because God loves comeback stories, right? He's like, hey, come on, let's start walking because this works in the other direction as well. Don't underestimate infinite importance, one good decision at a time because eventually you will get to where you're going and it won't be a mystery how you got there. It'll make complete sense. Like people who are really close to God and their relationship with the creator of everything is like on fire, right? Or people who are just healthy or successful, or patient, or kind, joyful, peaceful, like they didn't accidentally stumble into that. One decision at a time. One decision at a time. 10 years from now, I say this because I love you, not to crush you. You will not rise to the level of your dreams, comma, you will fall to the level of your decisions. Infinite importance, infinite importance. The eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who doesn't, pays it. And that's why, by the way, experts are saying steady is sexy. Every expert of everything is saying the same thing. Steady consistency in the right direction. I'm like, now, like the coolest characteristic any human being can have to me is just consistency. I think that's the coolest thing because that allows you to take advantage of the eighth wonder of the world. And so I have two questions for you. And the first one begins with who, and the second one ends with do. So we got those two things in the correct order, and here it is. Who does God already say that you are? Who does God already say you are? Because he looks at you right now. He doesn't see Simon. He says Cephas, despite the fact that you're not acting like it yet, right? Because he knows the end from the beginning. He knew what was in Peter's future. And he called him by that name before any of it happened. And he does the same to you. So who does God already say that you are? And then what is one thing that person would do? Not two, even for you overachievers, one thing. Because what's more important than the one thing you want to do is actually doing that one thing. What is one thing that person would do? Is it a verse a day? If you get the YouVersion Bible app, they'll give you a Bible verse every single day. They'll keep track of how many days in a row you got. You know, if you're like me, you see that streak and you're like, oh, I'm going to keep it going, right? And then six months in, you're crazy enough, you're doing two verses a day, right? And the word of God is in your head from morning until night. Is it reading the whole Bible this year? Which, by the way, you could do in 10 to 12 minutes of reading on average every single day. Here's what you'll do. You'll read it one time, one day for 10 minutes, and it won't do anything. And you'll incorrectly assume it doesn't matter. But if you read the whole thing cover to cover by this time next year, you know you'd be a different person if you let the eighth wonder of the world take over and do what it does best. Here's what I do. I got this from Pastor Craig Rochelle. He calls it 
words to live by. For me, this is simply just a discipline that reinforces who God says I am. And so I made this for $10, by the way, at Walgreens, frame included. And this was on my nightstand by my bed, but it didn't match the furniture, so now it's, it's in our bathroom on the counter. And every morning, <laughs> I titled this, I am who you say I am. And I declare this audibly, out loud, every single morning. It takes me three minutes declaring truth of God over my life, which activates that same truth of God in my life for the rest of the day. There is the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? So I'm like, man, I'm gonna, okay, so every single morning, because if you know who God is, you'll know who you are. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. So this reinforces to myself who God says I am. So I do this every morning. I am who you say I am. I am a man after God's own heart. Jesus is first in my life. I love my wife and I'll lay down my, my life to serve her. My children will love God and serve him with their whole hearts. I will love, equip, and empower them to do good and to enjoy life. I love people and I believe the best in them. I want people to look at me and say this about me, man, he loves people, believes the best in people. I'm difficult to offend. I am a peaceful presence in confrontation. I'm a non-anxious presence. You can't live a good story without conflict anyways. I am disciplined and consistent because I have the Holy Spirit. I'm the same man on and off stage. It's what I do when nobody look, nobody's looking that really matters. I am calm, I am relaxed, and I am fun to be around because I enjoy my life. I am growing closer to Jesus every day because of Christ, my family is closer, my body is stronger, my faith is deeper, and my leadership is sharper. And I'm a good leader, and I am where I am because God has put me here. I'm creative, I'm energetic and focused and blessed beyond measure because the spirit of the living God dwells within me. Pain is my friend. It is not God's will, but it will make me stronger. I bring my best and then some. And last but not least, I will finish strong and the world will be different and better because I follow Jesus with my life, declaring it again and again and again until I actually start to believe it. Because when you actually start to believe it, maybe you'll actually start to behave accordingly, right? Because here's the thing, even on the weeks when I don't act like my identity, it still doesn't change who I am because I didn't earn this identity in the first place. It was given to me by Jesus, therefore it's sustained by Jesus. And I make his voice the loudest. Maybe who God says I am actually matters more than what the world says about me or what my enemy says about me or what I say about myself. So why don't I amplify my maker's voice? Because my maker made no mistakes when he made me and this is who he says I am. And the more I believe it, the more I will act like it because the right identity will lead to the right actions, which means the best thing you can do in your 167 is simply just know God more. Know him more because in him in the source knowing him you will find and discover who you really are what he really says about you and the more you hear it the more you'll start to believe it and the more you start to believe it the more you will act like it and you will be a different person 10 years from now because you you hijack the whole system not in the do part but in the who part the who is leading the divine who do dance in my life Jesus goes straight here says there's a person you already are and once you know that what's one thing that person would do amen 
Would you guys stand? Jesus, we love you. Oh God, give us vision for who you say we are. God, I just feel like it's, it's your promises mixed with our personality. And even for people listening under the sound of my voice, God, I feel like you'd love to spend an hour with them this week telling them who you say they are, specifically them. God, I pray that you'd reveal to each of us this year how to, to pursue you, to know you more in our 167. I pray when people open up the Bible and read the words on those pages that it wouldn't just be words and it wouldn't just be knowledge to make us smarter, but it would come alive and lead us to the creator of everything, to you, our maker, who made no mistakes when you made each of us. Show us who you are so you can tell us who we are, so we can know what to do. We love you so much. And we pray all of these things in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Red Rocks Church, let's worship.